few years ago, I was in Jerusalem with a group of pastors, and I've shared a couple different stories from there. One of the things we, we did was, of course, visit a bunch of those big, majestic, beautiful churches. One of those churches was the Saint was the Church of Saint Peter at Gallicantu, a Catholic church just out of outside of the old city of Jerusalem. You can see a picture of that very church on the front of your bulletins today. Gallicantu, Latin for cock's crow, referring to Peter's denying Jesus three times before the cock crowed. And while this church is not as as large as some of the others in Jerusalem and certainly uh, others around the world, it is a thousand years old and it is quite stunning. You get a sense for that even on the cover. Soaring arches, beautiful architecture, remarkable detailed fresco art throughout. Have you ever walked into one of those grand sanctuaries? Somewhere in this nation, somewhere in this world. It feels like something happens when you enter these these stunning spaces. There's a a fresh sense of quiet. Maybe moments ago you were haggling in the market for a deal. But now you slide into one of those old pews, maybe light a candle. And perhaps for the first time in a very long time, people will sit and pray. That particular sensibility about the grand cathedrals and what they invite, that goes a long way back, right? Since the king of times of King Solomon in ancient Israel, the physical temple in Jerusalem was understood by God's people to be the locus of God's presence. They designed and built the space with, uh, with such attentive beauty and detail to the inner courts and the outer courts and all the rest to make clear this most especially. Is where God dwells. Yes, they believe God is Lord of all and, and active and at work beyond the walls of the temple, but the temple was that most central place where God dwelt. It's perhaps then difficult for us to appreciate just how profound a shift Peter is making here in this scripture that we heard read this morning. Come to him, come to Jesus. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a Spiritual house, also translated a temple. Let yourselves be built into a temple. Or the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, puts it this way. In him, in Jesus, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. They're essentially saying, yes, 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 the presence of God is very much living and active in the temple. And the temple is the people of God. It's no wonder if you read all of 1 Peter, you see Peter saying things like this to the church. Have a unity of spirit, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Chapter 3, verse 8. Or, clothe yourselves with humility when dealing with one another. Or even when defending your faith. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting of the hope you have in you. Yet, do it with a gentleness and reverence. When Peter sees the church 
He sees this stunning temple, God's dwelling place, the, the holy of holies, and so reverence, honor, humility. Of course, sometimes we forget, right? <laughs> you know, I think of times I've been in those soaring sanctuaries, near and afar. And have you ever been there where it's like, man, that person just doesn't get it. Maybe you've been there and, and, and you know, there's tours going on because it's pretty popular. So you expect some amount of low, low chatter and you expect people taking out you know, their phones and, and pictures and all the rest. But, but there are signs everywhere that, that basically say silence, respect, no flash photography, all the rest. And there's someone over there just clicking away with flashes. Or there's a group that just kind of casually rushing through the whole thing, does not want to be there a moment longer than they have to. They're just kind of racing by and through groups that just... Or, or, or among the murmur of the, the tour and some quiet prayer, there's just a person or people just laughing and talking so loudly right in the corner. Like, like... And really, it's not, it's not the flash photography exactly. It's not the, the fast pace of the people moving or, or the laughter and the loudness. Those all have their, 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 their place. It's, it's just they seem to have forgotten or not noticed where they are. We think to ourselves, this is holy. Don't, can't you see where we are? In writing to the church, part of what Peter's doing is simply reminding the church where it is. You are the holy living temple of God. Precious, uniquely chiseled stones of the Most High on either side of you. Which means, of course, no flash judgments, minimally. No racing past one another's personhood. No talking around or behind or over one another. Or, or as Peter puts it himself right before our very passage. Therefore, in light of this basic truth of who we're with, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. How do we look upon one another? At First Presbyterian Church, at, 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 at the church worldwide, at our sisters and brothers. Do we see each other as living stones built around and alongside of and for and with one another? A, a holy reverence, each one. Have we ever been the obnoxious tourists? among the holy stones? Have we ever trampled upon holy ground, forgetting perhaps where we are? And if too often it seems that we as individuals, we as God's people, we as a society, if it seems too often we are prone to trample upon the holy with our thoughts, with our words, with our guns, with our actions. Well, what then? What do we do? Well, what, might, what might help us 
see and honor and take seriously, that we walk our days upon holy ground that invites a reverence and a humility and an honoring in the temple. Maybe we remember where we are by first remembering who we are. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, he's a physical therapist, and he talks about how he ends up seeing people all the time at a pretty vulnerable place in life. They have a weakness they are needing to work on, right? It turns out it's that kind of space where people are often a little bit more open, not just about the physical vulnerabilities they're working on, but kind of all the things, He said it always strikes him that as much as he spends his days working on patients' bodies, inevitably he's working far more with their hearts and their minds. And all the different guilt and shame that is carried inside that absolutely affects all the work being done on the outside. Shame about how their body looks or works and how much is... This or that amount of weight contributing to the problem. Shame about what they do eat or don't eat. Shame about the fact that they should have known better about this injury, this chronic condition, this thing. Regret about not addressing it earlier. And now what? Should have fixed it years ago. A sense of failure. Scratch the surface of the facade, he told me. So many people struggle mightily to love themselves. Love your neighbor, the temple of God, as yourself. Perhaps sometimes why even Christians who follow the God of love Perhaps why, why even we, nevertheless, can struggle so mightily sometimes with judging one another, gossiping about one another, holding one another to impossible standards and bashing one another when we don't keep it. Perhaps one of the reasons we're not always a people of profound honor and reverence and humility with one another is not simply that we forgot everyone else is a holy stone, but that we forgot we're a holy Stone, beautiful, precious, uniquely gifted by God. I wonder, is it possible that sometimes our struggle to love well, love courageously, love friend and enemy, is it possible that, that, that some of that is rooted in the fact that we do know far too well the dirt and the stains that have, a community, that have accumulated on this stone? We know all too well the fear and anxiety that strangle time and again this particular stone. We know all too well the the addictions, the, the, the simmering anger, the stuff that ensnares this particular stone. Love your holy neighbor as yourself. How perfect, I think, that St. Peter's at Galicantu in Jerusalem on the front of your bulletins is such a soaring, beautiful church. Here's a church that commemorates in a central way, by its very name, the fact that Peter denied Jesus 
three times. Three moments of intense failure to love a friend, a neighbor. Three, moment, three moments of intense shame. Three moments of weakness. And yet the stones that comprise this beautiful church are beautiful, are strong, are a thousand years old. What that church's very beauty makes clear is that with our God, it is precisely from stones of failure and shame and weakness. Precisely from stones that can't seem to ever get it together and love neighbor or love themselves all that well. Precisely from such stones that God builds a stunning cathedral. And it's never about those stones finally figuring out. Our scripture makes clear, if, if and when the, the living stones are raised vertically and true and beautifully, it's, it's because they rest their weight on that cornerstone. Did you notice how Peter puts it in our passage? Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a temple. Not build yourself into a temple, but let yourselves be built. It's in the passive. The idea being that the living stones, they simply let the weight of their being fall upon the living stone and, and he enjoins them and grows them. Living stones need not grit their teeth, resolve to finally somehow try harder. The first and foremost call is to let ourselves, our baggage, our failure, our fears, our anxieties, our dirt, our stain, all the things we know about this stone, and let it fall upon the cornerstone. Imagine letting that weight fall. Imagine that weight falling right alongside all the other stones. Letting that weight fall. And then imagine a few visitors come to First Presbyterian Church and perhaps they notice the beauty of this space, the historic sanctuary, but then, but then also they see a people quick to listen, slow to respond, slow to, to anger. They see a people who slow long enough before the beauty of one another's personhood and gifts, and they encourage that from one another. They see a, a, a real reverence given, it, just in the way, the dynamic, the, the, the people's interactions. Maybe they can't put the experience into words, but when they come away, uh, they think to themselves, whatever holy means, that's it. More of that is desperately what this world needs. And of course, what they will have seen are living stones who have thrown all their weight upon the cornerstone, whose perfect love cannot help but grow that which is sure and true, that which is holy and good. Can you imagine letting that weight fall alongside one another? 
Amen.